If you're a health entrepreneur, coach, or practitioner that wants to turn your expertise into a high six or seven figure virtual business with less stress, so you can impact more people at a deeper level while making more money and enjoying a greater quality of life in the process, then the Healthpreneur Podcast is for you. I'm your host, Uriel Kame. I'm a former pro athlete, leading health expert, New York Times bestselling author, and the founder of Healthpreneur, where I help experts just like you create and fill high-end virtual coaching programs that create dream come true results for your clients. Now, for a free and in-depth training on how to do just that without manual prospecting, one-on-one coaching, or having to spend years building your online following, head on over to healthpreneurgroup.com forward slash training and jump on to our seven-figure health business blueprint training today. And now, let's get to today's episode. How's it going? Yuri here. Welcome to the show. Today's guest is a good friend of mine. She's actually... A skiing buddy. Uh, not that neither one of us really skis, but we're. Uh, oh, I'll tell you the story when we get into the interview. So I'm not going to spoil the surprise. But we had a we had a lot of fun together a couple months ago, and we'll share we'll share part of that story with you in just a moment. Um, but her name is Cassie Bjork, and this is going to be a really telling episode because Cassie is going to share some things with you that are somewhat disturbing if you are any kind of licensed practitioner. So if you're a dietitian, if you're a naturopathic doctor, if you're anyone who has like letters behind your name, this is gonna be a very disturbing episode because Cassie has gone through some major shiza and you're gonna discover some pretty shady things that are happening in the dietitian space, but also this translates over into, nat- into the naturopathic space as well. And she's gonna share with you exactly um, what she did with her dietitian RD, I guess nomenclature, if you want to think of it that way, but really, really interesting stuff here. And we're gonna have a really good discussion about this. So sit tight. Let me give you a bit of background as to who Cassie is. So Cassie Bjork is a globally recognized industry leader in weight loss, a highly sought after speaker, and the number one international best-selling author of Why Am I Still Fat? The Hidden Keys to Unlocking That Stubborn Weight Loss. For over 10 years, she's helped tens of thousands of women and men achieve their bodies and lives that they want, not by starving or skimping, but by eating foods that fuel effective and sustainable weight loss. She speaks widely and contributes um, a regular column called Real Talk with Cassie in Paleo Magazine. Virtually every major media outlet as well, including CBS, ABC, Fox News, CNN, Time, Cosmopolitan, basically all the magazines you've seen, all the, all the shows, she's kind of contributed to a bunch of all that awesomeness. Um, but most importantly, she's just an amazing person. She really, really is uh, such a great person to hang around with. She's a lot of fun, and I'm super excited to have her as a guest on the Health Printer Podcast. So without any further ado, let's welcome Cassie Bjork to the show. Cassie, what's up? Welcome to the Health Printer Podcast. Thanks, Yuri. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, because uh, you're officially my skiing partner, so it's good to have you on the show now. We are and good ski buddies, aren't we? We we are, yeah. We Just for, for all of you listening, uh, Cassie and I were invited to a trip in Park City earlier this year, and neither one of us really skis, and we... Uh, <laughs> Thankfully, we're guided down the mountains by one of Trevor's awesome colleagues, and it just made the day really enjoyable. 
It was so fun. You were cruising. I was just trying to keep up with you the whole time is really what that scenario looked like. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, that, I, I, I had a pretty good day until that last wipeout. And then I was like, you know what? I'm happy I don't ski more than I do. I wish I had that on video. I wish we could show the listeners that Shit. wipeout was epic. Oh my God. Like I can still, I'm still replaying that in my mind. I'm like, how are my legs still on my body? Like, I, I just can't believe you didn't break any bones. I, I mean, that, it was amazing. You just stood up and walked away from that. Yeah, it's um, anyways, it was, we had a lot of fun. It was a good time and uh, it was just kind of great catching up and I'm excited to have you on the show. So bienvenido. Yeah, great. Awesome. Let's dive in. Let's do it. So let's um, let's talk about some stuff. Uh, I mean, just top of mind, we kind of talked about this a little bit before we started recording. I think this is an interesting topic for anyone who's a practitioner, especially maybe naturopathy dietitians, probably anyone. I mean, I was a certified kinesiologist and I gave that up uh, years ago. So you recently decided to say, I'm no longer going with the dietitian nomenclature. Can you talk about that and why you did that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the Board of Nutrition and Dietetics, they were coming after me for a while and it was a really, really big deal. And I was like fighting back. Like I didn't want to give up that license because I worked so hard for it. And I was so proud of having it. You know, really the day that I earned my certification as a licensed dietitian was probably one of the most important days of my life. I worked so hard for that credential and the authority that I believed that it gave me. Um, and I was just so, I was just so excited to have that. So, um, yeah, I'll share my story and I just kind of want to preface it too, by saying that I do think this situation of mine demonstrates a significant problem in the industry and in the credentialing process and maybe in the governing boards. Yep. And I also don't think every dietitian is going to run into what I ran into. I think mine could have been like one of those outlier situations. And, you know, it could also be the beginning of more of this. And I'm, I'm not really sure. So I'm happy to talk about, you know, what happened to me. And I also don't want to scare anyone, but I think it is, um, it's an important thing to bring up because this is the reality of just kind of what's going on out there. Well, let me ask you like, you know, as a dietitian, I, I think a lot of people can relate to this is like, there's, you have the letters, like you put the time in, there's mm -hmm. this, the level of ownership with that, that it's almost, it's tough to disconnect from that. Right. Um, is, yeah. So if, if you're listening to this and you're like a, an ND or someone similar and you're thinking, Oh, I can't give up my license. There's no way I could do that. Um, what like what was the realization for you where you said like this just isn't worth it anymore? Hmm. Yeah, I was kind of telling you before the show. It's funny. It happened in a, in a in a coffee shop in Santa Barbara, California, and it wasn't just like a spur of the moment decision. I'd actually been fighting to keep my license for five and a half years, wow. and it was a. I mean, it was pretty intense. It was a huge. Um, it was a huge fight. It was a huge lawsuit. I mean, I was in and out of court and going through this interrogation process and you know, attorneys and all, just all, all, all of the works and almost six years. And I don't know, Yuri, it was just one of those moments where I was sitting here in California and my attorney called and said, you know what, they want you to come in on Wednesday. Uh, we got to go through some more stuff again. And I just said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to fly back to Minnesota. I'm having so much fun out here. I just got into California. And I just realized I was really rearranging my life and my energy and important projects that we'd been doing in the business. And I wanted to be there for my team. And I was just so torn. It's just trying to keep this license. And the, here's the biggest thing. The license didn't even align with what I believed and what I was seeing to be true in my practice. And so, and that's actually the reason why, you know, the board was trying to fight to take away my license because everything that I teach, every, every piece of information that we teach in our weight loss coaching programs really 
bucked the very rules that I was taught in dietitian school. And that's actually why my approach works. It's like, that's why our clients lose weight and get more energy and heal chronic ailments and tap into these new levels physically, mentally, and spiritually. It's because I'm rejecting the outdated, you know, quote unquote rules of traditional dietitian training. And these very rules are the ones that I was obligated to uphold as a licensed dietitian. So the board basically, they didn't want me to teach my holistic, you know, functional medicine based approach. They didn't think I should be really talking about supplements, hormones, thyroid, anything other than low fat, low calorie food. It makes me sick to my stomach just hearing this. I know. I know. So then after a while, it's kind of like, why am I fighting to keep this thing that like, it doesn't even align with what I believe and what I know to be true. Like, this is why my approach works is because I'm not teaching what they want me to teach to keep my license. Hmm. You know, and I know, and, and, and the thing is with, with the whole licensure, um, with, with the licensure laws, I mean, licensure exists to protect the public, but when they're so highly regulated by the government and big food funding and the sugar industry, and there's all these other influences that are involved, I think it can get kind of shady too. Um, and also I should also say that the timing was really perfect or kind of kismet for me in a way because, um, I didn't need my license anyway, because my businesses had really grown to the point where we were scaling so much more than we had in the past. And, um, everything that we're doing, like, I don't need a license to do it. So, you know, if you're working as a practitioner in like a clinical setting, I used to work as a dietitian in the hospital setting, I would need a license to do that. But with what we're doing now, after over a decade as a, as a dietitian with our businesses growing, like gangbusters, it was interesting that this was the point when I had to make this decision, the timing just seemed really kind of interesting and peculiar because I didn't really, you know, need it anymore. At that point, it was just a matter of pride, I think. (laughs) And also, you know, you're, you know, my branding was dietitian Cassie Mm -hmm. for 10 years. That's what I branded myself as. And that's what people knew me as. So this was also interesting because it was very closely tied to my identity. Like my brand has been me and I based that on having this license. So once I said, you know, once I had that phone call with my attorney when I was in California in that coffee shop and I said, you know what, I'm not going to come back. I'm not going to keep fighting for this. I'm done. You know, and it, it was like this interesting moment where I was giving up. It's like I was shedding this identity and it felt super empowering. Like some people could probably look at that and say, I just quit. Cause the thing is I didn't lose my license. I might've won the fight. Mm-hmm. But it was more of like a really liberating, freeing moment to say, you know what? I'm not even aligned with this. It's not serving me. It's not serving my clients. Um, I'm just going to shed that layer and take my energy and take my focus and finally just like really put all of it into the things that matter and the, what I know and believe to be true. Yeah, that's awesome. And at the end of the day, it's about helping people. And yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't agree with the dietetic approach for the most part, because it's very quantitative, not necessarily qualitative. And when you, I mean, not that I've been to like American Dietetic Association events, but I've heard that they've been sponsored by like Coca-Cola and companies like that, mm-hmm. um, which just seems really weird. You know, it's like, I don't know, it just, just seems a bit of a disconnect. And at the end of the day, if you're helping people, who cares if you have a license or accreditations yeah. with that, right? Like, I mean, you know what you're doing. Yeah. You don't need, like nothing has changed in terms of how you serve people, right? Nothing has changed in how we serve people. And that's the exciting thing because of course, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, um, it was 
kind of scary because I didn't really know what, you know, what, what would happen. I didn't know how my following and how our clients would react. And I didn't know if anything would change. And, um, thankfully what's interesting is the feedback that we got the most was people, you know, our following and our clients just said, well, we can't believe you didn't just give that up sooner (laughs) because it was very in line with, you know, I've kind of been known for going against the grain or being the dietitian who recommends butter for weight loss and kind of like all of these out there, um, you know, points of view. And even from the beginning, about a decade ago, uh, when my business really started growing, I started getting all of these TV segments and radio. And it was because of this out there message. Now, nowadays, I think people are more familiar with, you know, healthy fat doesn't make you fat and it's good for you. And, you know, coconut oil and avocados and even butter are actually healthy for you. But, you know, a decade ago, not a lot of dietitians, not many at all, were talking about that. So that's really what kind of propelled my businesses in the direction of really being able to influence a lot of people. And um, yeah, and you know, also to your point, I do want to mention like what you said is so true about, um, I didn't really, I remember when I first attended my first dietitian conference, it was called the Food and Nutrition Conference and Expo, and it was in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And when I walked in, I was shocked to see an entire tent set up by Pepsi and they were sponsoring this calorie counting campaign. It's crazy. I know. And I couldn't make sense. I was like, why is Pepsi sponsoring this event? And then I saw Splenda and then I saw McDonald's giving (sighs) out little yogurt parfaits and all of these, you know, General Mills, all of these big food companies, all at the annual meeting of food and nutrition professionals. Yeah. It's like the Twilight Zone. Totally, totally. And I think, you know, anytime there's something that doesn't quite make sense, and especially when it has to do with business and especially when it has to do with bureaucracy, I think the answer usually lies with follow the money. (laughs) And that's a big deal. And once I started to see like the intertwining of big food industries, uh, the sugar industry, and just how their presence played more of a role than I realized uh, in the past, like like this was like a really big, really big aha moments for me. And actually the relationship between big food and certifying boards is really frightening as well Hmm. because they're sponsoring like a lot of these, you know, the governing bodies who certify nutritionists and dietitians, um, to this day, this very board is sponsored by Splenda, the Dairy Council, sugar producers, a milk company. Um, and dietitians have to complete 75 hours of continuing education units every five years to maintain their credentials. And these companies like Coca-Cola, Pepsi, General Mills, McDonald's, they're the ones offering the continuing education courses that are approved <laughs> by the board. Oh, man. It's really crazy. It's so yeah. good. It's uh, The only thing better than that, Not I don't even know if it's better than that, maybe <laughs> almost as close, is in Toronto, every summer we have a bike race. It's called Ride for the Heart. So it's a, a ride for raising money for heart disease and they shut down the highways or one of the highways in Toronto. It's like, it's a really big thing on the weekend and it's sponsored. The main sponsor is Bessel margarine. Mm. I'm like, wow, are you serious? Like it's, it's yeah. called the Bessel, like, or however it's pronounced Bessel ride for the heart. I'm like, seriously, that would be like, um, Marlboro ride for lung cancer. Seriously. You know, like, are we, are yeah. we like for real? So wow. yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. It's very ironic, totally. <laughs> so it, the frustrating thing is I know in Ontario, which is the province in which I live, with naturopathic doctors, the regulations are so strict that they have a tough time even having a website that has any kind of information on it. And I know a lot, and it really, it shackles a lot of them because they want to be able to serve clients 
maybe beyond the four walls, you know, maybe virtually or look at doing some more stuff online. But just like you, like with you, a lot of them are being, it's like a witch hunt. Like a lot of them are being hunted down Mm -hmm. if they're still using that ND nomenclature. And my thinking is like, why do you have to have the ND? I mean, Mm -hmm. I understand there's, you know, you went to school for a long time and you have all that stuff. You're a doctor, but I'm like, screw it. Just, you're going to still do your same stuff. You're going to still have the same protocols for your patient, for, for the people you serve. Why not just say, screw it. I'm going to do my thing. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like for me, I do. I, I think that when I was building my business, it did help. I think it's something that set me apart from just somebody who just started a blog and is talking about food and weight loss, like being a dietitian. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, yeah, I mean, because of the nature of my business and because we are a nationwide and worldwide service, we're still able to serve our clientele. So nothing changes in how we serve our clients right now. Um, which is which is exciting um, that my scope of practice doesn't actually require licensure, but I don't know. I mean, I think it. I, th- I think it. I think it's. I think it's just a. It's a tricky thing. I think that credentials can matter, and I, I they're very respectable. And I also think a couple letters after someone's name, it doesn't. It doesn't just set them apart and mean that they're better because I mean, there's so many dietitians, totally. and I don't. Wanna, I don't want to just. Um, I'm not bashing on dietitians. I just want to mention that like dietitians aren't all cut from the same cloth. So there are a lot of dietitians that are still teaching the outdated, you know, calories in, calories out, just exercise more and eat less. And that's how you lose weight. And a lot of people that do that, well, anyone who's done that has felt like there's something wrong with them. And it turns into like this really shameful thing when you're starving yourself and then you're like gaining weight or you're, you know, I mean, sometimes that happens or at least they're not losing weight. So these women um, come to us and they're like, you know, we've seen a dietitian before and I felt super shameful because I did exactly what she told me to do and I didn't lose weight. And, you know, that's just because they're not looking at the big picture. They're just looking at, you know, the calories and we know there's so much more involved. And and that's why our approach works because we're looking at hormones and supplements and sleep and stress and thyroid and all these other factors, the big picture. But there are dietitians that aren't looking at any of those things. And I think that's where it gets confusing because just because someone has, you know, registered dietitian or licensed dietitian credentials behind their name, it doesn't mean that they're successful in helping people. Totally. It doesn't. And then there's people that don't have any credentials and they've just learned all this stuff. There's so much information out there. They've read the blogs and they've followed the right people and they've applied it to their own life and they're just sharing it in blog posts and their information might be way more helpful than the hospital dietitian who's just telling you to eat less and exercise more, you know? I agree. I think you've actually just um, inspired a new post of some sort. I'm going to call it you can be regulated or you can be rich. You can be liber- You can be licensed or you can be liberated. Ooh, that's good. It's, it's going to be very controversial. I'll tag you on it. <laughs> I like controversial things. Yeah. Oh, and I like the word liberated because you know what? Somebody asked me the other day because I just gave up my license earlier this year and they said, how do you feel now? And I said, I feel light and free and liberated and it just feels so good and so right it's like I didn't even realize how much it was weighing on me. It's almost like when someone has weight to lose, like physical pounds, they know they have weight to lose, but until they lose that 50 pounds, they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize to what extent it was affecting me and how it was weighing me down. And that's how I feel. I feel like there's this weight that's been like lifted off of me that now allows me to put 100% of my time and focus and energy into this practice that has proven results rather than fighting the system that does not. Mm-hmm. just feels so good good and so right and I love the word liberated and I think if you're a true entrepreneur you're like f this I'm done with like I'm not gonna 
I think we have an issue with authority in the first place. So any kind of constraints like that, we're going to rebel against the system in some way, shape or form. So, yeah. And you know what? I think my biggest regret, not that I, not that I like to even have regrets. I think I, I did the best, you know, the whole time. Like I think we're always doing the best that we can, but I kind of wish I would have just given that up sooner. <laughs> like, why did I fight for five and a half years for something that I'm not even aligned with? And I asked myself that, and I don't know. I really don't even know. I don't know why. I think I think because I, you know, I built my brand on being a dietitian. I think there was fear in that. Like, are people going to think that I'm a fraud or what's going to happen? And yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where you just know when when the time is right. And it was one of those moments where I was just like, you know what? Screw it. Just like you just said. And yeah. I think that's one of the I think being an entrepreneur in the first place is super brave. And we have to face situations that other people never have to face. And this was honestly probably like one of my biggest fears that basically came to life, because I think what's interesting is that um, when you start putting content out there, like when you're an entrepreneur and you start putting content out there and putting your heart out there and getting vulnerable in what you're sharing and posting with these random people, you know, on the internet, you're just putting it all out there. Like a lot of people fear criticism. And that was definitely one of my biggest fears was criticism that somebody would attack me and say what I'm saying isn't right. And, and that happened a lot. You know, the bigger you get, the more influence you have, that happens. And everyone has to overcome that fear. And in my case, you know, this like worst fear of mine, like really exploded and, and, and came true. And I got through it. And that's what you do, right? Exactly. Totally. It's, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I was just going to use the comparison of a, a relationship that you know you shouldn't be in, but you've, you mm -hmm. kind of stay in it because you've invested so much time and you don't want to start over. But at the end of the day, you're like, thank God I got out of that. So it just kind of drew a... Yeah, that's a really good example too, because then what happens when you get out of it is you you are you are a different person. Like you have more confidence and you're braver and you learn more about yourself. And that's what happened to me in this process too, is I had to really like check in with, I guess with my heart, <laughs> like with my intuition a lot. And it brought me closer to myself and like what I feel like I'm, I'm here for and like, who do I want to be and what do I want to stand for? And ultimately, I think that's what's really cool about some of the most challenging of situations is you discover who you truly are and what you truly stand for and what you want to stand for and what you don't want to stand for. And um, and then and then you come out of it a different person. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And that's why I really believe entrepreneurship is one of the best spiritual journeys, personal growth journeys you can be on because you learn so much about yourself. Um, I, I think a lot of people who get into having their own business shouldn't have their own business because I don't think they understand the extent of the persistence and like never stop that is required to 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 succeed. And I think like in today's day and age, like it's there's so much velour, like there's so much like, oh, this is, looks so perfect and all this nonsense. And they don't see what's happening beneath the surface a lot of times. You know, it's like we see these great pictures on Instagram, which is awesome. Um, but that's not the reality of everyone's life and the reality of everyone's business. They go through shit that people don't even are not even aware of. And um, yeah. I call it like you have to be you have to be delusionally optimistic. Like you have to be able to take a fat like almost like Rocky. You have to take one punch after another, keep getting knocked down, keep getting back up and if you don't, if you're not able to do that, like I don't really believe having a business is a good idea because it's tough. Like it's, I, I like to kind of set the intention that things will be easy, but I'm also realistic that it's like, listen, I'm not going to expect things to happen overnight. And if they don't, I'm not going to cry about it. 
Um, but what like what advice would you give to somebody who is either starting their business or growing their business in our space based on your journey and experience? Gosh, I love everything that you just said. And that is such a good question. Um, I think one prayer that I pray every morning is to be brave and be able to show up in whatever way I need to show up for the people that I'm serving, including our, my team, our clients, anyone that I interact with like throughout the day, because I think showing up as your best self and, and being brave, like these are super important parts because like you said, there are so many challenges. Like entrepreneurship is like holding up a mirror. It's probably like marriage. I'm not married. So I don't know, but I know people say that like being married is kind of like, you know, brings out like all this stuff that just, you know, can't, doesn't really come out when you're single. And then you've got kids on top of that, which is another mirror. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited for that someday, but maybe I'm not ready for it yet. But yeah, entrepreneurship is kind of like that. And, um, you know, you overcome these huge things that people that don't do this, that aren't living this life, like they don't have to, but they also don't always see that. I'm glad that you brought that up too, because I was actually talking to this woman when I was in line at um, the post office yesterday and we were just chatting a little bit. I had just come from this big speaking event that I did and um, she was kind of asking me, you know, what I do. And I, I mentioned my book that I wrote and that I travel around the world and, and speak and that we've got this vitamin company and this weight loss coaching program. And she's like, wow, like, how did you just do that? Like, how did that just happen? And it was such an interesting way how she had phrased the questions that way because I just laughed and I said, it didn't, it didn't just happen. It was actually like, 10, 11 years in the making. And it was a lot of blood and sweat and tears and a lot of 80 to hundred hour weeks. And I basically gave up the decade of my twenties when all of my friends were getting married and having babies, I was building these businesses and I was working so hard. And it's just something that, yeah, you don't always see you know, on Instagram, you see all the pretty photos and people are getting these professional photo shoots and videos and all these things done. But what they don't see is like the slaving that you do behind the computer and sometimes there's all nighters. I've had all nighters and I'm a huge proponent of getting a good night of sleep because it affects your health and your weight and all of the things. But there have been a few nights that I've had to pull all nighters just because I had to, because I had to put out fires and work with our IT team and website stuff was happening. And this rebranding thing after I gave up my license, that was just a huge ordeal. And it's the stuff that, you know, I don't like to talk about it a lot because I don't like to complain. Mm -hmm. And I love that like you do shed light on this on the show because it's not all easy. And some people really do think it's going to be just easy. And people will comment on, you know, just how amazing my lifestyle is. I travel all the time and I just got back from a month in Bali and I get to do whatever I want all day long. Right. Well, a lot of what I do is sit behind a computer and, you know, I'm on, I'm on calls and I'm working a lot and it's great. I love the lifestyle that I created for myself and I do have more free time than I've ever had in the past, which is also amazing. And it's also because I'm making that a huge priority, but it didn't just happen. Yeah. It was so much work and so much building. And I think that's a, that's also a really big, um, just a big thing to keep in mind for anybody who's starting or even like, you know, a few years into this journey, uh, it can look so easy and so pretty when you see all these people that are just doing all these fun things during the day and they're traveling and they're just living their life. I bet they're still working a lot. And if they're not, I bet they spent years getting to that point they're at right now. Yeah. Or they're thinking about what they should be doing while they're (laughs) taking time off. That's another thing is honestly, sometimes I almost miss I wouldn't go back to it, but occasionally I'm jealous of my friends who have a nine to five job. And I never thought I would say that. Like when, like, and I never thought I would say that, but I think what I'm jealous of 
is the only thing I really think I'm jealous of is that they leave their work at work yep. and then at five they're done. And I'm like, man, I always have this stuff on my mind and it's really because I love it and I'm really passionate about it. And I'm not complaining, but I think it's just one of those things where it's a change in lifestyle, especially if you have more of a lifestyle brand. Um, it just infiltrates everything you do. And, and then you bring like social media and Instagram stories and like, you know, I do Instagram stories throughout the day because people like to kind of see what I do and what I eat and how I live and get to know me that way. And it's super fun. And, you know, technically that's work. Totally. I'm, I'm kind of like working all day long. <laughs> yeah. I actually, um, I actually just got back on Instagram a couple weeks ago because right. I'm like, you know what? It's, um, yes. I think it's time. I think it's time to kind of come back into the real world a little bit, but it's, but I, I've done that very, uh, it took me a long time to come to that decision because, because I'm like, I know what I know I can, the rabbit holes I can go down with social, but, um, I know. yeah. And it's one of those things too. What I love about Instagram is like, it's, it's real. And like the Instagram stories, they're, they're actually the person yeah. <laughs> like I, I've been really good at delegating the last couple of years and I used to be really bad at it. Um, because I kind of like to just take control of everything, but I realized if I wanted to live the life that I want, if I want if I really want this lifestyle where I'm not working all the time and I get to travel and I get to actually nurture relationships with family and my closest friends. And if I actually w maybe want to have a family someday and if I, if these are like my real dreams and I've got to stop working all the time, I've got to just live my life. And the number one thing I had to do was start delegating. Mm -hmm. So giving up social media was something that I delegated and my team runs all of our social media and they respond to all the Facebook messages and posts and things like that. But the one thing that I kept was Instagram because there's just something about it that like just connecting through the video. And I don't know, I, it's, it's something that I actually really like. And I think that's another thing that, you know, it's important to look at is when you're delegating, which I think is a really, I think delegating is a skill. And I think it's a necessary one to grow and to scale, but look at like what you actually like to do. Cause there's certain things that I delegated. Like we had hired these copywriters to write all of our blog posts. And one day I was like, you know what I miss? writing. I love writing. Like that's how I started this whole thing. So I said, I actually want to take back some of that writing. It was what, kind of like this opposite problem or not really a problem, but just where I'm like, you know what, what do I actually want to do? <laughs> well, that's the thing is I think most, so most people are like the head of a company, the visionary, the thought leader, the, the name thought leader means we should be sharing our thoughts. Mm. And this is a big realization I had a while ago, and I think part of the reason I wasn't as active on social is because I was delegating everything and systemizing my whole business so I don't have to do anything. And we've got, you know, we've got a great process. Where, like we've got our Facebook ads running, our webinar, our enrollment call coaches, like all that stuff is great. I don't have to do any of that. So then I'm thinking to myself, like, what do I really have to do? And and I realized like the only thing we should or can't delegate is what's between our ears. And when you talk about Instagram, the thing that excited me about Instagram when I really thought about it is it's a platform to share your thoughts. And initially I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna have someone else write the captions. And we did that in the past. And I'm like, that was shit because it was just generic, like two sentences, no life behind it. And I'm like, maybe the best use of my time is spending time sharing my thoughts in a well thought out caption or a video. And that's, that's what I'm doing with Instagram. It's, you know, I know that it's a long-term play for us, but it's, I also know that it's a great way to really create that engagement with your audience because they're going to, they're going to read your stuff. They're going to see your stuff. And they're like, oh, there's something about this person that just clicks. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think it's, it's dangerous to, to just like, all right, let's just get some people to take care of our, you know, blog posts. And we've done this on our, in our health business too. Like I had all my stuff, 
like that was taken from my videos, turned into articles, and then all this other like spun a thousand ways. Yeah. And it's like, it just, it loses its essence, I think. And yeah. I think there's a balance between being you and having a, like, I think when you look at like even guys like Richard Branson, Jesse Yeltser, like a lot of these like really successful CEOs, they're running their own social, like they're running their own Instagram accounts, like they're sharing their own stuff. And I think that's important because that's what people want to see is like, yes, you've got this great business, but maybe this is a platform to connect more deeply with your audience. And that's just the way I see this. So, yeah. And people love it. They love the rawness and they love the realness. I think one thing that was, I, I just, I, I keep learning this, like relearning it over and over is, you know, we'll post pretty, pretty pictures and graphics. My graphic designer makes these awesome things that I kind of mix in there on Instagram with like, just like my random, you know, posts that I'll just upload during the day and not really edit. And it's when I post a picture, like I, this happened, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. I took a picture of my dinner and it looked so gross and it was so good. It was like this fish dinner with sweet potato and I don't know, it was, it was delicious, but I just, it never looks as good as it tastes. And <laughs> I thought, you know what, I'm not gonna post that. It doesn't even look good, it's not colorful. And I had all these reasons why I wasn't gonna post it. So I posted it and I said, here are the eight reasons why I wasn't gonna post this. And, <laughs> and I didn't edit it, you know, I just took this picture and posted it and it got hundreds of likes and it got more likes than any of the beautiful edited photos from my latest photo shoot from being in Hawaii and from the one that my graphic designer made and all these things. Cause people just love when you're just real and raw. Yep. And yeah. it's so true. Like, you know, what's between your ears, like somebody else can't repurpose that. And there's also a balance, like what you, like you, you mentioned, there's a balance. And when I was thinking about like the blog posts, so we had, you know, these copywriters just completely take over and write blog posts and I missed writing. So I found what the balance is, is we have them do some things, but, um, I love writing. So it helps to expedite, expedite my process and also still maintain my voice and my thoughts is I can write stuff really, really quickly. So I just whip out content and then we have our copywriters go through it and they kind of like reorganize things if needed and just clean up my thoughts a little bit. And that what I love about that is it helps me to just get stuff done, just get content done because I can also be kind of a perfectionist. So in the past, I would just write these amazing blog posts, but they weren't, they were only like 90% done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they sit on my desktop and I literally have like dozens, which turned into hundreds of blog posts that were just sitting in a folder that weren't helping anybody. So yeah. now I can just crank out this content because I have a lot of thoughts every single day and I have so much stuff I want to share and um, I don't have to clean it up. Somebody else can do that. So that's what I found, at least for the content production piece for me, has been super effective. And it allows me to still do what I love and be in that creative space with less pressure to make it perfect. With, yeah, totally. And with that said, you guys have a process in your business that acquires and attracts clients outside of the content as well, right? Yeah. I mean, we do the whole webinar thing um, and we run Facebook ads. And uh, is that what you're talking about? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, because I do want to mention something. Cause I, I want to give people perspective. Like it's, I'm a huge believer in sharing content and thoughts, but if, if that is the way you're attracting clients, um, just buckle down for the next five years. Like that's, it's, it's a long journey. And I think it's, it's important to have some type of process in your business that gives you a bit more predictability in terms of how you're generating clients leads revenue. Um, so we're not just talking about like spend all day on social, like, you know, spend 24 hours on, on Instagram stories, which, you know, in some cases may be beneficial, but I do think there still needs to be some core process in your business that is working independently of you so that you free up your time to be able to share more stuff like writing, like writing content, sharing on, on social and stuff like that. So 
That's a good point. And also, actually, my business started with a Twitter account, which um, turned into a blog. And that is actually how I got clients for probably the first five years. My business was literally just based on Twitter and my blog. And then what really propelled us to grow more was when I started getting um, contacted by a lot of different news stations and different TV and radio. And then I started getting on different podcasts. And now I would say, you know, speaking events and podcasts are helpful to bring people in because people hear my message and they're like, Oh, like I've tried losing weight and it hasn't worked. Like maybe I'll check out, you know what she's got. And we've got a lot of free content and stuff on our website around that. Mm -hmm. But we just started just this year. We started, um, we hired a Facebook ads team and now we're driving traffic into our, um, one of our free lead magnets, which leads people into our webinar. And then they get into like our whole sequence that goes into our 12 month group coaching program. So we've actually never done, we'd never paid for any advertising before. So I'm kind of curious, um, how this is going to work. But before we got to that point, we had to have this super scalable business set up. And when we started, it was just me, you know, dietitian Cassie, and I was just doing one-on-one private coaching. And it took quite a few years to, we hired a bunch of other dietitians. And now we've actually got a group coaching program because it's so much more scalable. Mm -hmm. So we'll be able to handle all the leads that, that come in and we can just keep building that program out. So it's interesting, the whole, you know, marketing and all of that is super interesting, but it is also interesting how I started with like just all the content stuff. And I think that's why it's so, so close to my heart. And I like doing it because like, that's what I used to do all the time to bring clients in. And we don't need me doing that anymore, but I still love it. And it's good to still keep doing some things that you love too. Yeah, totally. I think it's important to continue doing what you love to do because you'll gravitate towards that anyways, because you'll be sitting on the beach yeah. like, all right, I've got my whole business automated. Like I've got nothing else to do. What do I really want to do? Oh, I want to write or I want to shoot some videos. Exactly. Yeah. That's so funny. I was literally sitting in Bali a couple of weeks ago and our businesses are so automated right now. And my operations manager manages the teams and the dietitians do all their, they do their thing every day. And I was sitting there and I'm like, it's so interesting that I've got these two businesses. I don't have to do anything today. And I want to work. <laughs> I want to write. I want to be on calls. And and it was a really cool moment because, you know, there's those days when you just like right now I'm sitting inside and it's just beautiful, sunny summer day. And I'm probably going to be inside all day on calls. And it's moments like like that where I have nothing to do that I'm like, oh, I'm actually doing what I love because this is actually what I want to be doing. I love connecting with people. I love spreading this message. I love writing and creating content. Um, and it is good to sometimes step back and just be like, what do I really like? What do I want to do? Yep, totally. And that's why it's important to take those trips, right? To have that time away yeah. from the computer and just, you know, like have that space. That's where all the, the greatness happens, I believe. So and you can get excited about it again. I know. Totally. I exactly. I mean, even just like a day, like I remember when I didn't take any time off for so long and then I took like one Saturday to just do whatever I wanted to do. And honestly, that Sunday, I was like so refreshed. I wanted to work all day. And, you know, I don't always work on Sundays because I think it's good to have a day, a couple of days of rest. But um, it, as an entrepreneur, it can be so easy to just keep working and keep working and keep working. But I find that when I actually take time away, I get so inspired. And like, I mean, like you were saying, Yuri, we were talking about travel and trips before this. You were saying like your biggest breakthroughs come from not being at work, like not sitting right there in front of the work and same. My biggest breakthroughs don't come from sitting in front of the computer. No, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, like uh, in April, we had a major ice storm in Toronto. Maybe you guys had it in Minnesota as well. I'm not sure. But it was like we're sitting at home on the weekend. Everything's covered in ice. We're like, why, why are we staying here? So we like literally booked a trip for three days later to go to Mexico. And I was thinking to myself, all right, cool. I don't really have to do I don't have to be in Toronto. I mean, I've got a couple of calls. I can do them from Mexico. But here I am in Mexico. I'm playing tennis for like three hours. Then I'm like laying on the beach 
But while I'm laying on the beach, like I, I must have come up with some, I don't know, a few ideas that are going to generate millions of dollars for our company because I had the space where I wasn't in front of my computer yeah. and I was forced to just allow my mind to do its thing and just think and create and all that stuff. And it's like on the surface, it's like, oh, you're just, you know, whatever. It's you're taking a vacation, you're not doing anything, but it's actually that's where the magic happens. Like every big thing that I've created, every big idea I think anyone's generated has come from that space of walking in nature, going on a trip. I guess some of my best thinking done on an airplane, looking out the window. It's yeah, I just think it's, it's amazing. And we don't take a lot of breaks from that because for me, I have to be really intentional about that because I love consuming and like consuming content and information. I'm always listening to podcasts and audiobooks and just filling my brain. Mm -hmm. But those breakthroughs don't happen when I'm filling my brain and when I'm multitasking and doing something like that. It's always when I'm on a paddleboard in the middle of the lake or surfing with no electronics. I'm just out there by myself. Like that's when I get these really valuable insights that can, it can totally change the game. Like you said, I mean, it can make millions, one idea. Yep. Absolutely. So with that said, guys, stop listening to this podcast and uh, just, you know, clear the space. Clear your brain. Yeah. Exactly. Take a shower. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't stop listening to this podcast because you might get one idea that can make all the difference. And then you have the space to go out and just clear your mind. That's all is, you need. One idea. Exactly. Exactly. Cassie, this has been awesome. A lot of fun. Um, you ready for the rapid five? I'm kind of nervous. I have no idea. What you're well, you, you should be nervous because this is more daunting <laughs> than skiing downhill with oh snow God. blowing through our face. That so, was pretty daunting. Okay. Then I'm ready. No, I'm just, I'm kidding. It's, it's going to be okay. So here we go. Uh, number one, what is your biggest weakness? I already mentioned it earlier. It's being a perfectionist. I want everything to be perfect. And I had to completely give that up in order to increase my influence, scale my business and help more people. Nice. Number two, what is your biggest strength? I think my biggest strength is breaking down really complex information into just simple, actionable tips and strategies that people can just do. Like the world of health is so confusing and complex and I like to just make it super simple. Yeah, I think most experts are really good at doing that. I think if you're an expert, you should be able to take complexity and simplify it. True, which yeah. Which is, uh, I think defines an expert, maybe. Awesome. Uh, number three, what's one skill you've become dangerously good at in order to grow your business? Delegating. Delegating. I mentioned it earlier and I'm mentioning it again because it's super important. You can't do it all on your own. And people ask me, how do you do it all? I'm like, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I have a team of 10 people plus a ton of other help on the side to get stuff done. And that's how you can that's how you can build a business and live your life and enjoy it in the process. For you can't sure. be trying to do everything. And it's interesting because perfectionism and delegation are kind of two opposite sides of the I spectrum, know. right? <laughs> yeah. So it's cool to see that evolution for you. Yeah. Um, number four, what do you do first thing in the morning? First thing in the morning, I do my morning routine right when I wake up and it consists of meditating for 10 minutes, which I'm not good at meditating. I, I don't always love meditating, but it's so good for me. Kind of like what you're talking about, just clearing our head. Yep. And then I pray and I say some affirmations and, um, and then I stretch a little bit and I start my day and it only takes about, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And it's such a good practice because it sets the stage for my entire day. If I don't do that, which there are days that I don't, if I'm trying to like get in a quick workout or something like that in the morning, sometimes I skip it. Those days, my brain is just like cluttered and I'm all over the place. And it usually takes me a little while to figure out, oh, I skipped my morning routine. Mm -hmm. It's so mm -hmm. important to me. Totally. It's interesting because as of this recording, the World Cup's going on and 
I, I don't think I've missed more than five World Cup games in my life. Like I've I've put aside my life to watch the World Cup um, over the past decades. So this year, like there's three games a day. I'm like, oh man, I don't want to miss all these games because I'm working. So I've been waking up at like 3.30 in the morning, getting all my work done so that by eight o'clock in the morning, I can just sit on the couch and watch six hours of soccer. So, that is dedication. Yeah. So <laughs> you're a devoted fan. Totally. Because my morning routine is like, that's where I get my most important stuff done. And I'm like, shit, yeah. if the games are first thing in the morning, just this is going to be a write-off. So yeah, yeah do what you got to do. Good, that's a really good point. And also what I do right after my morning routine is I do the most challenging things that I need to get done that day that I don't want to do. It's like, there's that saying, like, eat the frog right yeah. away. I think it's like, you know, if, the, if you eat the frog, then you're going to be able to get anything done because that's just not a pleasant thing to do. But really, I think of it like your brain power is the highest in the morning. And as you go throughout the day, every email you answer, every call you take, every podcast interview you do, your your brain, I picture it like this muscle and it's just like getting tired and it's getting tired because it is, that's what it's like. And then, you know, by two o'clock in the afternoon, my, my creative juices just aren't flowing like they were in the morning. And of course, I still have work to do and I still get stuff done, but I design my day in a way where I do the really important stuff, the high energy stuff, the high brain power stuff first thing in the morning. Yep. And then I get some of the other stuff that maybe isn't as important, like emails. Like I used to start every day answering emails. And you know what? That was giving away my precious energy and brain power to other people. Totally. And emails are still important and I still have to do them, but I don't do them right away. I try to just get one or two projects out of the way first when my brain power is at its highest. Totally agree. That's the, guys, if you get nothing out of this interview, except for that, that alone will change your life. I can't, I can't, like, I mean, that's that's the secret to, I think, achievement is getting that one big thing done first thing in the morning. And... Mm -hmm. um, but it's easier said than done because it is. I, I've, I've thought about doing that and I thought about doing it every day and I was addicted to my email and I would go straight to my email and I just start answering it. And all of a sudden it's like two hours have gone by and I hadn't even showered and I hadn't, all I'd been doing was like my email. And that is just not the best use of my time or my brain in the morning. And if you have to check email, like sometimes I do, if there's certain things my team needs, I'll actually literally set a timer for 10 minutes, you know, sometimes 20 mm -hmm. and I'll just, it's like, it's like a game for me. I'll just get through as much as I possibly can. And then when that timer is off, I'm done and I'm starting the project that I intended on starting. Yep. So here's the thing that I realized is that our, our unique genius, the things that we do better than anyone else require no internet connection. Right, like the writing, the shooting the videos, yeah. the sharing the thoughts, all that stuff can be done without internet. So yeah. what I do is because I know if I have access to my email, I'll, I'll probably check it just out of habit. So I use an app called Self Control and I set, so when I go to bed at night or when I finish my day, I'll set the timer for like, the, like to, to, so what it does is it blocks whatever sites you want. So it can block Gmail, Facebook, whatever sites you want. I set that for like 16 hours from the time I finished working the day before so that I can't even start my computer and access any of that stuff until like 10 o'clock the next day. So when I get up in the morning at four, I'm like, okay, I've got no other option but to open a Google Doc or do something like that, right? Six hours to, yeah, get stuff done without internet. Wow. Yeah. And then I don't even turn my phone on. I turn it off at night. I don't even turn it on until the next day at 10 o'clock. And that for me, because I know that like, environments trumps willpower. So if I know that stuff is there, I'm going to dive into it. Hey, let's see what someone said on Instagram or whatever. But when you focus on creation instead of consumption, your life changes and your business changes big time. So 
I love that. That's amazing. That's why I get so much done on airplanes because I will not purchase Wi-Fi totally. on airplanes. And that's exactly why, because my best writing, some of my best content has come from sitting on an airplane. So all I do is I have the Google Doc blank one open and I just write. And every time I fly, I do that, whether no matter how long the flight is, how many flights I have. And I love those days because I get to be in my creative space. And somehow, some way, like that's where, like you said, I mean, that's where some of the biggest ideas that I have come from. And if I had internet, I'd be checking my email. I just yeah. would. I, I've taken trips. I've had trips where I've, you know, there was not like a good direct flight. So I actually connected. I think it was like coming out of. I can't remember where it was. It was like connecting in San Francisco, which geographically didn't make any sense at all. But I'm like, you know what? They've got a nice lounge there. I'm going to get some stuff done. Plus, it gives me an extra four hours during the day to get some stuff done. So I made that connection through San Francisco just because I wanted to make the most use of my time while traveling instead of doing something else that didn't make a lot of sense. So anyways, I mean, if you guys are listening, you're like, yeah, I totally get that. Cool. If you're like, you're crazy, whatever. It's all good. But um, anyways, let's get back on track. The last, <laughs> this, is, this is not turned into the rapid five. Anyways, <laughs> last question. Um, complete the sentence. I know I'm being successful when? I know I'm being successful when I'm living. And to me, I guess, what does living mean? To me, living is like every day I'm all out. I'm investing in relationships. I'm doing things that I love. I'm influencing people. I'm in my creative space. I'm helping people. I'm being generous with my time and my resources. And that's what living is to me. And actually one of the affirmations I say every morning is I say, please God, remind me that I love reading good books. I love being under the sun. I love being outside. I love going to coffee with friends. I love calling people who I love because I have to remind myself that I love those things because I can get so caught up in my work behind the computer. It's so satisfying for me and I can see the efforts of the work that I'm putting in. And you don't always see that like when you have like an hour phone call with someone like you don't you, you might feel good, but sometimes I feel like, gosh, like I could have gotten so much done in that time. If I'm being really honest, I feel that way sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I have to remind myself, like, that's what life is all about. To me, that's living. And to awesome. me, living, like living my life, that's success. Love it. So good. Cassie, thank you so You're much so for being fun. with us. This has been a really, really great conversation. What is the best place for our listeners to follow your work online? Cassie.net. That's where the party starts. There That's where go. everything fun is. And I've got lots of good stuff there. So I'd love to connect with you over there. Also, I'm on social media and it's Cassie.net, just spelled out like D-O-T-N-E-T -E on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. But I already shared my secret. Instagram is where I really spend all of my time. Awesome. There we go, guys. Let's stalk her. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nuts. Nuts. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for being with us. So many gems in that interview, right? Like there's so many good things. I mean, we talked about how Cassie gave up her, her dietitian's license and got rid of the RD and had to rebrand her whole business around like getting rid of the whole dietitian Cassie thing. Um, but beyond that, there's just so many other nuggets that were shared in this, this interview. So I hope you got some really good uh, wisdom out of this one. So again, if you're an naturopathic doctor, if you're a dietitian, if you're somebody who really clings on to those letters and it's compromising your ability to serve other people and grow the business you want to grow, especially online, then I'm not saying you you know what you should do either way, but hopefully this episode has stimulated an internal conversation in your mind about what is possible. Because I don't think I even mentioned this in the episode when I was when I graduated uh, from the University of Toronto, I had a, I was a certified kinesiologist, 
And very quickly, I gave that up because I saw that the regulations for doing stuff outside of like a kinesiology or physical therapy practice or, or a clinic was very limited in scope. And so I couldn't do pretty much anything I wanted to do. And I said, you know what? I don't really need to be a certified kinesiologist. So I'm just going to drop that. And that's just the way I look at it. It's like, listen, we're here to serve. Who cares about what the letters are behind our name? And I know for some people, they get they get fixated on that because they spend so much time and money they've invested in that. And it's just a great example of human psychology, of this whole commitment and consistency thing. If you don't know, don't know what I'm talking about, read the book Influence by Robert Cialdini. It should be on your nightstand. It's one of the most fundamental books you must read to understand why humans do what we do. And going through a four-year degree or 10 years in medical school, whatever you're doing, is a prime example of why it's so tough to cut those, to cut those ties because we're so vested in that journey. So anyways, hope you enjoyed this one. Um, if you did, and if you want to connect with some crazy awesome people, I mentioned this before, we're, real, we're kind of running down on time here. Health Printer Live, HP Live 2018, September 20th and 23rd in Scotts, Arizona. We've got a beautiful resort, 150 people by invitation, by application only, bringing together some terrific health entrepreneurs, coaches, practitioners, nutritionists, dietitians, naturopaths, doctors, the whole bit. We bring everyone together and we have fun for three days. We learn, we connect, we grow, we remove the ego. Not that there is ego coming in, but we basically just kibosh that. You know, the speakers on stage, there's only, there's only six of them this year. We decided to go with fewer speakers to allow more teaching, more sharing, more downtime because most of the magic happens not from the stage to the audience, but in the peer-to-peer. And that's why we have so much time for roundtables, breakout sessions. We've got 30 to 45-minute breaks several times throughout the day because a lot of that is where the conversations are going to happen. That's where people are going to connect at a deeper level. And if you want to be able to hang out with people that are doing great things in their business or help others who are kind of, you know, maybe a little bit behind you, that's what this event is going to help you do. It's going to bring together some great people in our space. It's our annual family gathering where we bring together a lot of our clients, a lot of amazing people in our space, and just really connecting everyone to fuel them for several months to come. We want to help you finish 2018 on the best foot possible with the most energy and great strategies, great relationships built. And if that's of interest to you, then the time to act is now. It's, you know, we're two weeks away from the cutoff. We have to let the venue know exactly, like here are the final numbers. Um, And we only have a couple spots left. So I I do want to, obviously I've been mentioning this the last couple episodes. Uh, I want to mention this and I want to make sure you know this, that it's on your radar and that you're taking action. If you want to be surrounded by great people, because you cannot build Hopefully you've recognized this in the podcast already. You cannot and you will not build a successful business in isolation. And if you're not willing to invest in yourself and in your business, you will also not succeed. I mean, it might take you a decade, but what you could achieve in a decade, you could achieve in one to two years with the right people and the right ideas and the right strategies. And that's what this event will help you do. So if you want to join us, here's what I want you to do right now. Get out your phone or go to your desktop and go to healthpruntergroup.com forward slash live. Once you're there, Click on the red button that says request an invitation, fill out the questions that ensue, submit your application, we'll review it, we'll get back to you in one or two days, and we will let you know yay or nay, okay? Now, how do we look, um, 
the reason we, we the reason we have an application is because we want we want to make sure the right people are in the room. This is not for you if you have nothing built. If you've got no business, no like no website, no way of attracting clients. If like if you've got nothing and you just graduated from school, probably not the best event for you yet. If you're a little bit further along, you know, even if you're not cracking a million dollars in revenue, that's totally fine. It's not about that. If you're a little bit further along and you want to take things to the next level, hey, that's great, right? This is this is probably a good fit for you. And we, again, we've got the whole spectrum of people at this event, people who are, you know, a little bit more novice in their business, but we also have very successful seven and eight figure business owners who will be in attendance. And I think there's a lot of great synergy that can come from that group. And I look back to the most pivotal decision I ever made in my business was at the beginning of 2010, I attended four events. And those four events were beyond my means at the time. I was, I was, you know, a, a fish, a little fish in an ocean of, of big players, but it was the most important decision I made with, because I started to, I, I got to know everyone. I, I befriended the most influential people in the health and fitness space online. And to this day, a lot of them are still very, very good friends. That would never have happened had I played it safe and stayed behind my computer. So if you're ready to step out, if you're ready to step up, and if you're ready to play at a bigger, higher level, then you have to be with us. So healthpreneurgroup.com forward slash live. Do it now. And I look forward to seeing you there. Until then, have an awesome day. And we'll see you on Monday.